Sunday. Does anyone remember what we learned on Sunday? Character versus personality. Mida, yeah. So we said the mida of something as opposed to the mochus of something. What does the mochus of something mean? It's essence, essence right? It's your very core, it's what you are, right? The mida of something is its trait, its characteristic, right? The measure of the thing. Okay? So when the Altarba says that anybody can be a Bainani, he uses the word Mida, meaning what? That anybody can act like a Bainani, live as a Bainani. Does it mean that they've truly become a Bainani in the core of their being? Not necessarily. That's, that's a bit of a loftier achievement. However, how does one actually change their mohos, change their fundamental character, the, 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 the essence of who they are as a person? Do you wait around for that to happen? You practice. you practice it until you completely inhabit it. Now, obviously, you have to practice it with being engaged, not just that you're forcing yourself to do something that you were disconnected with. And so forcing yourself to be nice to people when you resent being nice to people will not make you a nice person. Right? But valuing being nice to people and then pushing yourself to be extremely nice to people will, over time, cause you to develop that characteristic of you, that you will become, in fact, in essence, a nice person, hopefully, you know, before you die. Some change happens slow, and life is short, so. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what exactly is the midah of the Baini, what is the trait of the Bainini? Okay, because we are on the fourth line, at the end of the line, because... The Bainani does not revile evil. For that is a feeling entrusted to the heart, and not all times are alike. Okay. So what is interesting right away here is that he starts off by saying what, the, what, what is not a trait of the Bainani, which is weird, right? You would expect him to start off with what? Is the trait of the Bainani, right? Why start off with what it's not? Sometimes it's hard to describe something. So you have to describe what it's not. Yeah, except he goes off to describe what it is. Maybe because it's a common mistake to lump two things together. Okay, it's a common, it could be a common mistake to lump two things together. Um... The way I want to teach this to you is to think about something that it's a little bit of a different way of thinking about things, I think. Um, but once you hear it, it should be somewhat intuitive. Okay. What comes first psychologically? The nose or the yes? So to give you a simple example, right? Someone asks you if they, if someone asks you for a favor, right? What's the kind of first thing that a person should do? A person should first 
say yes or a person should first say no. Ask you to do it. So it could be a, it could be a good, a, a easy thing to do, a hard thing to do. I don't want to care like that. Like my attitude, someone asked me a favor, my initial attitude should be no or my initial attitude should be yes. Yes. No. Should? Yeah. I think yes unless there's a reason to say no. Yes unless there's a reason to say no. Yeah, so yes first. Okay. I don't argue that you, in fact, you should be no first. Mm-hmm. So, but before I make my argument, I want to hear your argument. Um, my argument is that assuming that you respect the person and wish to comply with their. But isn't that a re- isn't that a reason to say yes? I guess so, but I feel like that's a given. That's not an extra. But why do you need a reason to say yes? Yeah. You just gave a reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you asked for a reason. Why is this cup here? Because it is. Really? Just, that's because it is? No, I just put it there. That's why it's there. Mm-hmm. Watch. Okay. <laughs> why is the cup there? Good. Why is there no cup over there? Is that really, are those, are those two questions the same? Those two answers the same? It's like the question, why is the cup there? An equivalent question to why there's no cup over there. Yeah. Those are equivalent questions? It seems like it. Why wouldn't it? Oh. <laughs> Somebody help me. Okay. Okay. It seems like the inverse of the same question. I, I understand the, in the words it's the inverse of the same question, but, but when you walk down the street, right, and you don't see something, is your initial question about everything you don't see, why is it not there? Or your question is like, well, unless there's a reason for something to be there, obviously nothing is going to be there, right? The, you know, it's the, the, the burden to justify something is on what is there, not on what is not there. Now, some things, the reason has become so ingrained that you're not necessarily aware of it. And that's what you're saying. Like, if someone asks you to do a favor, you should say yes because you've ingrained a sense of decency and responsibility and respect for other people, right? Sure. And someone who hasn't, they have to be more conscious about that, okay? But if, if the, 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 Something that something that that really the the starting position anything doesn't need to be justified. I'll use a court of law as an example. In the court of law, in in um, in halacha, we, one of the things that needs to be established is who has the presumptive ownership of whatever it is. Why does that need to be established? Because once we've established who's the presumed owner or something. They know not need to do anything to justify to the court why they should be allowed to keep the thing that they presumably own. The other party has to provide some rationale for why the court should take away this thing from that person's possession and award it to the plaintiff. Make sense? Rather than I'm thinking, you have to justify why saying no. Right now, 
what could be the case is once that justification is a pretty universal justification, what you're getting at is that as part of human decency, as part of being a, a person in society, right, you should be willing to offer assistance to other people unless that there's some higher cost that overrides that. Okay, that makes sense, but that's something that a person has to come to a realization of and to inculcate inside themselves. It seems like if something's yep. presented to you, you should accept it unless there's a reason to reject it. Okay, but the... the, 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 the the thing is like this, what would happen, what would be if a person, what would it be if a person says yes to doing a favor, right? Because, not because they respect the person, but because just saying no is not, not, even, an, not even an option. Are they really saying yes? I guess not. Right. Words, what you're saying, which I agree with you, I agree with you though, your description that yes, if someone asks you a favor, you should say yes. Okay? But the reason you should say yes is because of being respectful and being decent, okay? Which means that being respectful or decent is giving you a reason to not just dismiss them, which makes it an actual moral act, and it makes an ethical act. On the other hand, a person who says yes because no is just not something they're capable of doing, they can't say no, and therefore they're not really saying yes either. Okay? And if a person actually lives life that way, what it does is it, 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 it turns them into a shell of a person. There's no, there's no person inside. Every yes is really preceded by a no. In other words, in, in principle, I, no, I don't have to do this favor. And yes, I'm doing it because of whatever reason. That reason, again, could be something that's so deeply ingrained in the person that they're not even necessarily consciously making that decision at that moment, right? Like they've inculcated a sense of, of decency towards other people so deeply that their care and their respect for other people will say they're, they're inclined to say yes. Does that make sense? Okay. The, the, the normal human response though to most things is, is automatic yes. Like when, some, like when you get a question, it's like, oh yeah, and then, and then it's like, oh wait. So here's an interesting thing. There's something called the terrible twos. You've heard of the terrible twos? Uh -huh. What is the terrible twos all about? Saying no. <laughs> That's right. Why? Because they're developing a sense of individuality. Very good. So now, if a child would not go through the terrible twos, then would they really be saying yes after the terrible twos when they say yes? Or let's do a different, more recent example. Remember being a teenager? It's also pretty terrible, right? Why, right? And there's a lot of part of being a teenager is simply not doing what you are expected to do. Right? Mm -hmm. Why? Because you need to figure out what right. you really believe in. Right, so I'm having a conversation with my 13-year-old. And my 13-year-old says something. And what he says is... Not what I think. Why did he say it? He knows my views on the matter and he says, yeah, opposite. Why? Test the boundaries. Test the boundaries. So, so part, the, the, there's, the, there's a certain aspect of it. One, but one aspect of it is he's trying to figure out, okay, I know my father thinks, right? But why does he think that? No. But me is, if, if, if that's going to, it's not necessarily consciously all thought out, but there's, like, it's, it's happening. If I'm going to agree with my father, it can't just be because my father thinks that it has to be because? I think it's 
So let's see what happens without it. That's my, my father's opinion. I have a different opinion. But it's not, he's not, those, and that's the trick. Like, that's being the father of you teenagers to realize that when he says the opposite of what are my values or my opinions about things, it's not because he actually disagrees with me. He's just trying to assert that he doesn't automatically agree with me. There's a slight difference there, right? Okay. Um, the way this is put in our sages is that first there's darkness and then there's light. That's why the Jewish day starts at night. As the verse says, there was evening, there was morning one day. Um, there, so the, the, the idea being the idea being is that something is really being affirmed when you understand what what was what's the context what's being what, what's being overcome what's being what negation is being overcome by that and that really that really affects everything we think about including say for instance the meaning of words okay so. I've used this example before, but it's, it is helpful. Okay, I'm going to use this very convenient here, right? Um, actually, use. Okay, I'm going to assert that this is not blue. Okay. Would you agree or disagree? Disagree. Okay. Right. Now. If I say, okay, I have these two markers, these two, I don't know what these, these are markers or pens. I don't know what these really are, but ooh, no markers, I'll call them markers, okay. These markers, right? And I were to say that this isn't the blue one. That would be a little bit weird. I mean, this is clearly, you know, this is the blue one, right? But now, if I say this is not the blue one, what color is this? Blue. Is this the same color? No. So then what's this? False. That's not the same color. So can you give me a color, please? Baby blue. Baby blue? Sky blue? Can you give me a word without using the word blue? Sure. No. What? No. Aquamarine. Aquamarine? <laughs> what? Turquoise? I don't know, like, I'm this, uh, this, uh, uh, what? In other, in, 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 right? in other words, in other words, that calling this, is, by understanding not just what I'm trying to say, but what I'm trying, what's being, what's being negated changes the meaning, right? If I just say blue and you have no context, you blue as opposed to red, blue as opposed to green. It's pretty simple, right? But if I'm looking at a bunch of things that are very similar, right? And I say, this is blue, right? So this is more like teal, and this is more aquamarine, and this is more turquoise, and, you know. It's actually very funny, because when you know more than one language, what you start to realize is that the words for colors, do they have one-to-one correlations from language to language? Yeah. So I will, how do you say blue in Hebrew? If you have ever meet an Israeli child and you call this kachol, they will correct you. This is not kachol. What is this? Tchelet. Like they, they just use that as a primary color word. Whereas in English, most of us don't would never say like teal or, or, or turquoise unless we're like really contrasting it against like just regular blue. What would they call kahol? This is kahol. This is tchelet. It's 
I get very annoyed when I say because <laughs> I'm just working from like, right? So the whole way we, we relate to things in terms of vows and things, right, is we're, 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 there's, there's always some negation we're overcoming, right? This is what I think because I don't have to think this. I can have whatever opinion I want. And, right, that's the, you know, the two-year-old's like, I, can, I, I don't have to do what my parents want. Okay, then after that, he can actually do stuff, right? That it's really his doing. The teenager's like, I don't have to think what my parents think. Then he could actually agree with his parents. Children don't agree with their parents. Little children. You know why? Because they don't have a sense that they could disagree. So it's not really agreement. They're just like kind of like regurgitating. Do they get that's in terms of behavior? I'm talking the, the, two is much more about behavior, and teenage is much more about like perception, right? Like it's it'd be like if 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 if, if you know and and you know a, a seven year old started to tell their parents that they think that their parents' values are wrong, like you could be pretty confident they're just regurgitating what someone else has said. It's not like they're right. Whereas like you know a teenager might might really like play around with that idea that my parents' values are totally wrong, right? And then you come around the other end, and then you end up agreeing with their parents' values, right? Okay. If you say something, right, I say, oh, that's not important. Or that is important. You need to know, like, the, the overall context of what I'm talking about. The word important doesn't mean anything on its own, right? Okay. So if I say, this is really important, right, as opposed to what? What kinds of things are not really important? So are we talking about like, you know, day-to-day life kinds of things, right? There's a different scale of importance, right? And all of a sudden, life and death is... If the issue is maybe people are going to die, then all of a sudden, what's important, what's not important has changed, right? Okay? So are, if I tell you right now, for instance, I'm going to get back to Tanya now. If I'm going to tell you that the only thing that matters is your behavior, Okay? As opposed to what? The way you feel about something. The way you feel about something, okay. So, your feelings don't matter, right? The only thing that's important is behavior. Which... Right, if I say what's... Yeah, so if I say, what matters to Bainani is his behavior, that he does the mitzvahs and he doesn't sin and that's all does, and then how he feels doesn't matter, right? Okay. Let's see, what does the altar actually say? A bainani is not does not revile evil. What does that mean a bainani doesn't revile evil? Is that a general statement about his feelings? What are we what are we what are we negating about the bainani? Yeah, there's a person there's a person that reviles evil. Is that something that is true of a bainani? Okay, why is it not true for a Benini? Let's go reading a little bit further. Because that is a feeling entrusted to the heart and not all times are alike. So what are we saying? What are we saying is not true about a Benini? That he's, he always hates evil. Right. You can't say about a Benini that he always hates evil. Why not? Because to, to, to say about a person that they always... That they, that they always feel a certain way would mean that they have mastery over their... Emotions. Ma- total mastery over their emotions. Mm-hmm. And 
Is mastery over the emotions something that is feasible at all times? No. At least not for regular people, right? Does that mean your emotions do not matter at all? No, it just means it doesn't qualify as a thing. Right. And, 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 what we're talking about is what we're saying is this. The thing that a bainani does not, the thing, the thing that is not part of the trade of a bainani is having total mastery of your emotions. Total mastery of your emotions. That would mean at all times you can make sure that you dislike things that are wrong. Is that a characteristic of a bainani? To ensure that they always dislike things that are wrong? No. Okay. What is characteristic of a bainani though? They always do the right thing is to turn away from evil and do good in actual practice, indeed, speech, or thought, wherein the choice, ability, and freedom are given every man they act, speak, and think, even contrary to the desire of his heart, and even diametrically opposed to it. So what is the characteristic of the Bainani? Is the characteristic of the Bainani have anything to do with the emotions or not? No? Should we read that carefully again? It does have something to do with the emotions. Just not always. No, it has something to do with the emotions. Actually, you know what? I'm not gonna you read it again. It has something to do with the emotions. There's something about the bainini that is characteristic of the emotions. Oh, it's like in the negative? Like they don't always feel? Even if he doesn't want to. He can act against his emotions. He can he can act against his emotions. So, if you don't feel any emotions towards a particular subject, okay, let's you go through an example. Let's say, what's something you don't feel particularly emotional about one or the other? You don't like, dislike, you're not. I mean, give me an example of something like that. Rocks. It's a real life thing. What? <laughs> no, but like something in life that you might have to be involved in and do, but you don't particularly feel one way about it. Yeah. Doing the dishes. I don't like doing dishes. I don't dislike doing dishes. They need to get done. You'll go do them. Okay, right? Okay. And if it's not for you, dishes, it could be something else. Right? But there's things in life that like you don't like doing them. You're not enthusiastic about doing them. You don't dislike doing them. You don't resent doing them. It's just like, it needs to get done. You'll do it. And not, not, right? And then there are things that you really like doing. You look forward to doing. You right? enthusiastic about, right? What characteristic or what, what, what's the way to do something that you're really enthusiastic about doing? That's kind of basically just a matter of giving in. If you're really enthusiastic about something, if you just allow yourself to just not do a lot of self-control, what's going to happen, the stuff you're really enthusiastic about is the stuff you'll end up doing, right? Okay. What about something that you don't particularly, you're not like, you're not, you're not, you're not enthusiastic about it, you don't resent it. What's the way to get those things done? It's very simple, just realize that they need to get done and voila, you go do them, right? What about things that you are emotionally not interested in doing, you emotionally resist doing, you emotionally are uncomfortable doing, you resent doing, you dislike doing. You 
how do you get yourself to do them? Well, that's an, and here's an interesting question. Is there just one way to do that? No. Or could there be more than one way to do that? Right? In other words, if I were to tell you, a baini is someone who always does mitzvahs and never sins, right? That's a little bit misleading, right? Because do they always doing mitzvahs and never sin because that's all they want to do? Are they always doing mitzvahs and never sinning because they just... They're not like, it's not an emotional struggle, so therefore they just realize it's important they can do it. Or is what makes them a baini is that even though they would actually prefer to sin and not do the mitzvahs, somehow they're able to do the, do the mitzvahs and not sin anyway. Right? So, okay, in other words, what is indicative of me being a baini? I'm going to give you three mitzvahs. Okay? Okay? One mitzvah is eating matzah the night of the Seder. Second mitzvah is cleaning the house for Pesach, okay? And the third mitzvah um, is wearing a yarmulke. Okay, three mitzvahs. Which one of those is indicative of me being a baini? You, know, you have to make some assumptions about me. Not that I'm a baini. Which, is it, which, is the, which would exemplify the trade of a baini? Cleaning the house. Cleaning the house, Okay. Let's first rule out the ones why. Why not eating matzah the night of the Seder? What? Yeah, I do look forward to eating matzah the night of the Seder. Okay. Okay. So that's not, right? That's the, why not wearing a yarmulke? I don't really care. Yeah, like, it's like fine. I don't need to wear it. Like, I don't feel like, oh, I love wearing a yarmulke. I was like, oh, I hate wearing it. I was like, okay, wearing a yarmulke. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, okay, fine. You can do that. It's not a big deal. Cleaning the house for Pesach? I do not enjoy cleaning the house for Pesach. Okay? So, what is the characteristic of the Benini is, right, is you have to, you have to, okay, a Benini is not someone who can just decide they like to do these things. They're into something. That's just not what a Benini, right? A Benini is someone who's, who's, is, 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 cannot do that. Now, does it mean they have zero control of what they what, what about what they like and what they dislike? No. So let's read let's read that part again. Abaini uh, uh, for Abaini uh, because Abaini does not revile evil for that is a feeling entrusted to the heart and not all times are alike. So the altar doesn't say that the Abaini never can govern how they feel about things. It's just that. Sometimes is more successful and sometimes they're less successful, right? And despite the fact that they do not revile evil, right? They don't, they're, 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 they're emotionally attached to the wrong things. They can't always change that. Nonetheless, they, they do the right thing, right? But if I just tell you a baby does the right thing, you don't get what I mean. Because a person can just do the right thing because they're emotionally indifferent, a person can do the right thing because they're into it. A person can do the right thing because, right? And, and even here, we still, we still need clarity over here. Okay, if I'm feeling one way and I'm nonetheless acting differently, how is that happening? Am I just suppressing myself? Am I forcing myself? Like, what exactly is the baby doing? How is the baby dealing with that conflict between how he feels and what he's doing? But if I don't address that a Bainini is not a person who's like in control of how he feels at all times to start off with, I don't understand what the, what the issue of the Bainini is. 
So if I'm going to tell somebody yes, that's because I could have said if I'm going to say a bainini is someone who always does the right thing, in order for that to accurately describe what a bainini is, I'm saying even though they can't always get themselves to want, to want or to feel like or doing, doing the right thing. Now that's a little bit tricky. We have to explain what, what it's, okay, so then you say, okay, so what do you mean? On the one hand, they're, they, they're, they, on the one hand, they feel one way. On the other hand, they're acting differently. Okay, how does that work? What exactly is the bainini doing? And now here we have to go a little bit deeper. We have to think about emotions. Are emotions black and white the way behavior is? No. Is it possible to have multiple layers of emotion? Yes. Okay. So when we're saying that the baby cannot control how he feels, right? Because not all times are alike. Does that mean the baby has, there are times where baby has zero control over his feelings? Like sometimes he has full control, sometimes partial control, sometimes zero control. What would it mean if someone had zero control over their feelings? They could, because like, let's think of it. Let's take the most extreme example of acting different than how you feel. Okay? You ever like have to, you ever like really, really, really either don't want to do something or you really, really do want to do something. You just have to like use total willpower, just like clench down and force yourself to do what you're supposed to do or to not do the thing that you really want to do. Have you ever done that? Okay. Does that use of willpower require you to feel anything? Require you what? To have any kind of feeling, any kind of emotional experience. Towards, towards the thing that you're doing? Yeah. No. No? I mean, you, you hate it probably. You hate it? You absolutely hate it on every possible level. So then why are you using your willpower? What's motivating your use of willpower? Does it have to be an emotion or could it be your brain? No, it has to be an emotion because here's the annoying thing about people is that people live their lives with their, their emotions. And the brain could also be involved. But you really, let's use it, you really hate doing something. But you have to do it anyway, okay? As much as you understand that you have to do it, as much as you know you have to do it, is that going to actually get you to force yourself to do it? Because if it would, then we would all like have perfect behavior all the time, right? Uh -huh. To convince yourself a little bit. What do you have to, on what level do you have to convince yourself? That it's worth, it's more important to do it than to not do it. Okay, it's more important, it means you, you, so you, mean you have to explain it so you have a better understanding? Or you just, okay, it'll be more fulfilling if you do it. It'll be ah, you have to make an emotional appeal. It has to be more fulfilling. So you're appealing to your? Emotions. Emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So you're getting, you are utilizing your emotions, right? Now, does that mean all of a sudden now you like doing it? No. But you're using the fact that it feels more fulfilling to get your willpower to override the fact of how much you dislike doing it, right? Emotions are more complex. They're more multi-layered. They're more dynamic than just yes or no. Okay. Now, one way you can do something, by the way, is you can completely shut off your emotions altogether. Valtor doesn't talk about this, but I think this is important. There is a way that you can get yourself to do stuff that you really don't want to do, or not to do stuff you really want to do by shutting off your emotions entirely. There is a way to do that. Okay. Um, What is the result of doing that? 
in the short term. You really find something and just like completely disassociate, you completely like tune it out, you ignore your feelings. Does that... It gets done. It gets done. But then it comes back at you. Right, you get stuff done, okay? But what's, what's the result of doing things like that, of living your life like that long term? What? Well, well, not one person. What's the result of doing that long term? You eventually dissociate from your life. Like That's you right. Right, you, you eventually disconnect and you hollow yourself out. You're, you're no longer living your own life. Okay? So, um, so to, 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 to give an example, I once cleaned out a sewer. It was not pleasant. It was really unpleasant. Why? That's an important question. <laughs> because my toilet was clogged. Not the whole story? Oh, no. But I was, I was, I was, I was, was there a three-year-old involved? <laughs> the toilet was clogged, and it was cholamoid, and I had family staying with us, and we came home for just one working toilet, and we couldn't get a plumber because it was cholamoid. And so after trying everything else, I opened up the, the holding tank for the whole building and had to climb down there and figure out where the clog was. Right, <laughs> right. So at some point, I just like I climbed down there, and there's the smell, there's the look, there's the cockroaches, oh. which thank God the cockroaches hate light, so they all went to the shadow, which and I was working in the way the sunlight was coming in, so it was at least that. And basically, I just blocked everything out other than the task at hand, just a total blocking everything else out. Right? And you can do this, right? Um, it's a human technique. You can do it. And soldiers do this. And, and anybody can do this. You can do this. You can just block stuff out. And it's an important thing to do. Like, if you do not have the ability to do it, you're going to have a very miserable life because there are times you just have to block out what you're experiencing and just do stuff. But that's not, a, that's not something you, you can't live life like that. Right? That's not, a, that's not a way of living. That is a way of dealing with a specific emergency situation. If you want to give you a physiological analogy, I mean, have you guys heard of the fight and flight response? Yeah. If you get tense, is getting tense with your fight and flight response healthy or unhealthy? Depends. Depends. Yeah. What? Yeah, depends. What does it depend on? What's the primary thing it depends on? If you're actually in danger. No. 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 Health. Yeah, it has to do. With, if there's once in a while something it turns on, and then you like use that to like fight or flight the situation and then go back to normal, that's very healthy. But when it's constantly on, even at low levels, that actually creates a lot of destruction in your body. Okay. So there's a lot of things that, that as one-offs are very useful, and very helpful, and very functional, right? But, so it's a similar thing. The ability to just completely disassociate from what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, what my sensations are, fine. Like, that's an important technique to be able to deal with extreme circumstances and you know, difficult things at the moment. But that can't be the mode in which you live life. Because you're actually, you're not living really that. Does that make sense? Okay. So if I'm not going to just disassociate from how much I don't like doing what I'm doing or how much I want to be doing something else, then I have to have some other way of dealing with it, right? See what I'm saying? Like, and the, the, the trade of the Bainani is not, is not, okay, the Bainani just controls their behavior. The Bainani just does the right thing. No, the Bainani is somebody who has some limited control over emotions, but not total full control all the time over their emotions, right? 
and therefore runs into a situation quite regularly where they feel one way and need to be acting. And they are consistently always able to act the right way. How? How do they do that? So what I'm going to do is going to read a little bit. I want to, I want to read a little bit um, more information. We're going to come back and like point out some more details probably next week. But I want to just get to this main idea through. Okay. How, that even when the heart craves and desires a material pleasure, whether permitted or God forbid prohibited, he can steal himself and divert his attention from it altogether. The person can divert his attention, right? So they're not just forcing themselves to do it, but they're, total, they're, they're, they're completely letting go of it. By, uh, I object to the translator. The translator says declaring to himself, and the Hebrew says, Oymer lelibay. What does Oymer lelibay mean in Hebrew? He speaks to his heart. So he speaks to his heart and says, I will not be wicked even for a moment because I will not be part and separate, God forbid, from the one God under any circumstances. Being mindful of the abomination, incommunicably separate and interpose between you and God. Instead, my real desire is to unite my nefesh, ruach, and neshama with him through investing them in his three garments. Blessed be he, namely, in the thesis of an action dedicated to God, his Torah, and his commandments, by virtue of the love that God that is hidden in my heart, as in the heart of all Jews who are called those who love his name. I read a lot. What is the theme he's saying here? How does the Bainani do the opposite of how he feels? Does he just block out what he feels? What does he focus on? How much he loves Hashem. That's an interesting. Does it, does it, does it say how much he loves Hashem? No, that he doesn't want to be separated from Hashem. He doesn't want to be separated. And why doesn't he want to be separated from Hashem? Because... Because he loves Hashem, right? Not, not like, I, I really, really, really love Hashem, right? And is this, and, and, and this, is, this, is, this has to be, he, he, he relates to this in a way which he finds intellectually convincing or emotionally compelling, which one? Emotionally compelling. Right. The person is like this, okay. I really, I really don't want to do this mitzvah because whatever reason, yeah? So how, do I, how does the baini get himself to do the mitzvah? He doesn't want to do the mitzvah. How does he get himself to do the mitzvah? Does he work on himself until now he really wants to do the mitzvah? Sometimes maybe, but not all the time because not, because not all times are equal. Sometimes he can't get himself to really want to do the mitzvah. So then how does he get himself to do the mitzvah? By ignoring the fact that he doesn't want to do the mitzvah? By disassociating from the fact that he doesn't want to do the mitzvah? Okay. How about reflecting on the fact that if he doesn't do the mitzvah, he's going to burn in hell? And that's a lot worse than whatever he doesn't like about the mitzvah, right? That would also work. There's a lot of ways that we could solve this problem, right? So let's make a list. Number one, I don't want to do a mitzvah. Option number one is to get myself excited about doing the mitzvah. Is that something the Bainini can, is that something the Bainini can reliably do all the time? No. Could they do it some of the time? Sure. Okay, but then that doesn't mean you can be. A, that's not the trait of a bainit every. That you can be a bainit at all moments. Okay, could the bainini disassociate from what he feels altogether? Yeah, that's a human ability people could do. Okay, but is that something that's a sustainable way of living life? No. Okay. Could the bainini reflect on that if he doesn't do the mitzvah, he's going to burn in hell, and that's a whole lot worse than whatever else? Could he do that? He could. He could. But for some reason, that's not how a Bainini does it, right? Interesting. How does the Bainini do it? Well, 
Everyone skips to the love, and that's the mistake. Don't skip to the love. He doesn't want to be separated. I don't want to be separated from Hashem. Why don't I want to be separated from Hashem? Because I love it. But this is critical, because if you focus on the love, then it becomes about the experience of... In other words, here is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the experience of love motivating the person to do the mitzvah, or is love the kind of thing that is true about the person that explains something about themselves? I'm going to explain to you what I mean. I do not like certain parts of parenting. That's not unique to me. I think that's true about all parents. Okay? Now, I can still do those things, right? Is it the case that I still do those things because I'm able to inspire myself before that this is the most wonderful thing, being a parent and doing this action, taking care of children is the most beautiful thing, right? Is that how I, you know, every moment where I have to do something parenting that I really do not like doing, that's how I get myself to do it? Does that sound realistic? No. Okay. Could I just like disassociate and just like do it robotically and, you know, disconnected because it's got to get done? I could, right? But then, you know, that kind of parenting ends up that you're not really parenting and then you're not really there. It's not such a great thing, right? You can get the technical parts of parenting done, right? Not the emotional bonding parts of parenting done. Um... Another possibility is like, you know, like, I don't want to go to jail for child abuse and child neglect, right? That could be something, right? You know? Or I could say, you know what? Okay. If I don't parent my child, then what? What would happen if I don't parent my child? There's going to be a disconnect. There's gonna be some. There's gonna be some. There's gonna be some negative consequence directly involving my child, themselves, my relationship with my child, right? And I don't want that. I never want that. Why don't I want that? Because I love them. Okay. Now, so it's about feeling the love, or or it's about realizing I don't want this result. And the reason I don't want it is because there's something true about me, whether I'm feeling that in a deeply emotional way or not. And to be. Um honest with oneself about that so that that emotionally resonates. So it's not about arousing how much you love Hashem. Anyone surrounds how much arousing how much you love the child. It's, well, okay. If I don't help my child with their homework, is my child going to have problems in life from that? Big or small, will that create some problems? Okay. Does that bother me? If I reflect on it for happening, yeah, it does bother me. Well, why does it bother me? Because I love my child. I care about them. Ah, okay. So now, do you really want to let this I don't enjoy doing homework with my child to get in the way of that or not? So it's, I'm, in other words, I'm dealing with emotions, but in a very different kind of way. There's, there's kind of a, you're dealing with different aspects of emotion. And there's the kind of emotions that you feel more intensely, more visceral. And then there's emotions which are maybe a deeper reflect something deeper and truer about oneself, right? Or like what you said, there's, I don't like doing this, but ultimately be more fulfilling, right? And my desire to live a fulfilling life, maybe that's something I don't feel as strongly as my desire to like, I don't know, waste time like eating potato chips and playing video games or whatever, but on reflection, it's something that matters more to me. It's something that, that I, that I the, 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 the feeling comes from a deeper, truer place. So what is the trait of the Bainani then? 
Is the trade, if I were to, the trade of the Benini is they, 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 they do all the mitzvahs and they never sin. That's not the trade of the Benini, right? The trade of the Benini is that even though they can't always be passionate and enthusiastic about Torah and mitzvahs and hate all sorts of unholy things, right? That sometimes they really don't want to do mitzvahs and sometimes they really don't want to, they do want to sin. Nevertheless, they do the mitzvahs and don't sin because they use their free will to what? To scare themselves into compliance, to disassociate from how they feel, to, to what? To focus on the fact that they, don't, that they don't want to be separate from Hashem and that that is a deep, true part of themselves. That's the trait of the baby, right? But in order to understand that, you have to understand like, like what that only that whole dynamic only makes sense once you realize the baby doesn't have the ability to always get themselves to be enthusiastic about godliness and revile evil. If the baby would be a person who could who who was someone who genuinely could get themselves to reject everything evil and to only be in love with God, right? To only feel passion towards Hashem and never feel any attachment to anything physical. If the Baini is a person who could do that, then obviously that would be the easier, more direct route of, of approaching things, right? right? So, is the Baini dealing with their just, is the Baini really dealing with their behavior or their emotions? Their emotions. Their emotions. Does the Baini have total control of their emotions? Yes. Total control of their emotions? But they can choose to focus on one rather than the other. They can choose to focus on their emotions in such a way that the deeper, more authentic emotion is the thing that they use to govern how they behave rather than the emotion they were feeling more intensely and more viscerally. That is the trait of the Bainani. The trait of the Bainani is using the fact that I do not want to be separate from Hashem to override however intense I'm feeling the attachment to negative things or the disinterest in positive things. Does that mean that those feelings, so it doesn't, I'm directly addressing those feelings, it's I am able to move past them or confront them or deal with them by getting in touch with or being honest about some other part of how I feel. So you have to be emotionally mature to do this. Right, you know, the, key to, the, the key to the trait of the baby is maturity. Right, which is a fancy word as fancy word for just saying a fully functional human being, right? That's what maturity is. Right, so let's just think. Of, okay, let's use some some examples about the trait of the Benini, not in the context of torments. To make sure I have it clear, okay? And tell me if this is you think is trait of the Benini or not, okay? I really don't like going to work because I work in an office shuffling papers that serves nobody except a giant corporation, and I get paid of, you know, whatever salary I get and the office politics is horrible and I hate going to work, okay? But I do it anyway because it allows me to keep my middle class job, my middle class lifestyle. Is that the trait of the Bainani? Yeah. What? I think so. Fully functional human being. Why do you think so? Good, 
Okay. What do you think? I think that it's like almost because it's not really his values. He just wants to have that lifestyle. It's not because of what's motivating that lifestyle. Okay, that goes a little bit deeper. But, but taking out, so, so it's a superficial example. But aside from that, do you think it amplifies the trade of the Bainini? It's kind of ability to like, do a calculation that we're seeing in the Bainini. Well, let's think, ask the question. How long can a person keep that up? He's trying to do it for his whole career, so I wouldn't say forever. Could a person do that for their whole... It could. Yeah, it's going to have some... What? That's basically Japan. <laughs> right, you, what? You could do that. If you're a middle-class lifestyle, it's fulfilling enough to Ah, so that becomes the issue, right? Mm-hmm. The middle-class lifestyle really has to be something that really... Right? But if the middle-class lifestyle is itself something that you're not really... That's going to have some... Right? Mm-hmm. So if I change now from middle-class lifestyle, right? So that, that I would actually say is because the middle-class lifestyle is a bit of an artificial thing. Mm-hmm. But now if I change the example... And I say the person is working in a job which is physically uncomfortable. The pay is minuscule. Okay? The working environment is degrading. But they're able to make sure that their family has a place to live and food to eat because of this. That would be even easier. That would be even, in a, in a, it's even easier, right? Why? That's more the trait of the Baini. Why? You, you see, it's like, like, okay. Well, I won't have a car, but like, on some level, the person knows like, I could live without a car. Like, having a car is not the end all and be all, or like, renting is, a, like, I'm not saying these are positive things, but there's a level on which it doesn't, there's something artificial about that, whereas like, having like, you know, a food, over, a food to eat and a roof over your head feels a lot more fundamental. Some people are really, they're very, I guess that's just very shallow. And that's why I would, th- and that's why I think is that if you actually look at that, the first thing is it. If you start to look at the length of time, the totality of the person's life, you'll see that they can't really maintain that. There's these kind of either they drop it at a certain point, they they, they have a midlife crisis, or they feel the need to retire, or they develop some kind of neuroses to compensate for the mental stress. Like the, it doesn't. It doesn't lend itself to a, 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 a holistic existence. But plenty of people have lived under actually horrible conditions in terms of like what they're doing day to day mm-hmm. and did not and have a holistic existence because because they see that because they know what they're doing to not do this would to, to, to let go of something fundamental would be violating something they care about fundamentally and like that keeps them not just doing it, but doing it in a way that they can really be living. So you know, there's, there's something more here than the, the, the trade of the Bainani is, is, is not just they're doing the right thing. It's I cannot get myself to feel like I like this or I hate that. But I can get myself the point that that doesn't matter because there's something else that matters more to me, that's more fundamental to me. And I can be honest with myself and speak to my heart about that and use that maybe deeper, although less intense emotion, as a way to live a life in my behavior according to that, regardless of the fact that I'm not so 
you know, those, the, the other emotions are still there and they come up and I can't fully control them. Right? In other words, there's a regulating of their emotions rather than a total mastery of their emotions. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Like it, it, because if, if all you say is that a Bainini just does all the right things, so then we're making it as if the Bainini is simply about the behavior, disconnected from the feeling. That's wrong. It's about the conflict between the feeling and the behavior, right? I feel one way and I'm behaving another way. But that itself, there's many ways you can feel one way and then act another way, right? Not all those are the trait of the baby. The trait of the baby is dealing with that in a very specific way, which is to be honest with oneself about what's truly important to them, what, right? What they're not, what they're, and, and again, this is almost done in the negative. What I'm, what I'm not willing to let go of, I'm not willing to just like, in the case here, it's being disconnected from Hashem, right? But I'm not willing to like abandon my, 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 my family because I care about them. Okay, well, if that means X, Y, and Z, then I can get behind X, Y, and Z, even though if I'm not really enthusiastic about those things in and of themselves. So there's a, there's a being mature and emotionally honest about what you are not willing to tolerate because of what truly deep down is important to you. And using that to regulate your behavior in light of the fact your emotions are not always 100% on board with you know, what's being expected of you, what's, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. Now, what if you just like, try to like, scare yourself into doing what you need to do? Like, if I don't do this, Hashem will punish me. Can you control your behavior that way? Yeah. 100% you could. Fear, is a, fear can control somebody's behavior very, very, very well. Yeah, obviously you have to believe, you have to be really, you have to believe the threat is credible in order for it to control your behavior. But once you believe the threat is credible, okay, so someone who's never sins, despite the fact they really want to, because they know that if they sin, they're going to go to Gehenna. Are they a Bainani? No. Are they exemplifying the trait of a Bainani? No. No. Because the Bainani is specifically this method. This, because the trait of the Bainani is that it's their connection to Hashem and they're not willing, they're, the fact I'm not willing to compromise my connection to Hashem is the thing they use to regulate their behavior, to regulate how they, to make sure they're doing their, what they need to be doing even though they're not always feeling it. And so, can you do that? That's the question. It's like, is it possible for you to do that? Like right now, today, the next time you feel one way and Hashem feels a different way about something, can you, are you capable, without any, you know, you know, big spiritual buildup, of being honest with yourself and saying, am I really willing to tolerate being separate from Hashem? And realizing that the answer is no, because deep down as a Jew, you love Hashem, and then using that to get yourself to do what you need to do or not do what you're not supposed to do, even though you may not know how to be 100% enthusiastic about it. Could you do that at the end of class today? You could, right? And if you do that, does that make you a baini and your mahus in the essence of who you are as a person? No. But are you acting as a baini acts? Are you living as a baini lives? But, but do people sometimes need the fear to motivate them? Because like, at the end of the day, you just, you don't. Like you have to not sin and you have to make sure you're doing the right thing. 
what the what Chassidus says is says like you know if your choice if, if you feel that you that you're stuck in a situation where the choice is sinning or being afraid that Hashem is going to torture you for sinning then it's better to be afraid for Hashem that Hashem is going to torture you for sinning because there's nothing worse than actual sinning but um, Chassidus doesn't use this analogy but it's kind of like chemotherapy chemotherapy is poisoning the person the only justification for doing that is that you hope to kill the cancer before you kill the person right it's not a positive thing. It's very destructive to your relationship with Hashem to, be, to, be, to, to work on being afraid of punishment. Because then you start to develop a conception of Hashem where he's an enemy, where he's a danger. But, I mean, it's better than sinning. But that's not a Bainini does. The Bainini is about being emotionally honest with what, is, what, what are the deeper priorities of the person, what they're not able to, what, what, what's the red line they're not able to cross. And being honest with themselves about that and using that to deal with the fact that their emotions are not and what they want and what they like and what they dislike is not always in, you know, as it should be, rather than just ignoring the emotion, rather than you know, using fear, rather than using bribes, rather than trying to somehow get some sort of state of, of perfect enthusiasm and inspiration. There's a lot of details here, but I want you to, I want you to see that there's... The, 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 there's, there's, the trait of the Bainini is not a way, it, it's not about going, being more externally focused, but being more internally focused, right? I go out up in the morning and I don't want to do something. I, say, I don't want to, there's a song that when I was growing up, so the, um, a Jewish musician called Country Yassi. You've heard of Country Yassi? So Country Yassi, um, I didn't know this growing up, but apparently took a lot of non-Jewish country songs and just changed the lyrics to make them Jewish. I only found this when I was older. Um, what? We were just singing the song the other day. Right. That's so one of the songs, you see, he had these two characters called Kivi and Tuki. Kivi was like the Yitzhah Tov, and so everything went right, and Tuki was the one who did everything wrong. And so there's a song which went... Um, I don't want to go to shul, I don't want to go to school every day. I just want to stay in bed with my pillow head every day. Yes. yes, that's the song. So you wake up like that's how you feel, right? I just want, I don't want to be like TV. I just want to watch my TV every day. Okay, but then how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that, right? Like you feel that way, okay? And if you're a Baini, you're not the kind of person who can just make sure that you never feel that way. You're going to feel that way. You can sometimes get yourself not to feel that way, right? But sometimes you are going to feel that way. Okay, then what? If you're a Torah Jew. If you're a Torah Jew, these are things you? Shouldn't do. Okay. But then that means being a Torah Jew is to be something that is important to who? You. And, it ha- and its importance has to run, no, to you, to you, and, it has to, and, it, and its importance has to run deeper than how much you want to stay in bed with a pillow on your head. Understanding the idea? So are you going more external or more internal? Even though you're saying at the end of the day you're acting one way and feeling another, you're actually, the way you're dealing with it is by going deeper. It's tiring when you're not, and you don't have a habit of doing it. Well, you're not like, like to do it the first, it's, it's, it's like running. If you don't run regularly, the first time you run, if you don't run regularly, it's very tiring. Right? But then if you run again the next day, it's less tiring. Right? 
And then eventually you can get to a point where it's actually more comfortable to have a daily run than not. I, I've, I've read about such things. I've never actually experienced it. But, right? Okay. And at some point, a person can make the change. Like, that is the mode in how they live their life. Like, right? And they've become a baby. And that's just something that, you know, in theory could happen to any of us eventually. Right? But the other thing saying is that that, that that trait, that characteristic of how to... Yes, you don't... You want to do the wrong thing. You feel drawn towards something you shouldn't be doing. And no, you cannot make sure you will not feel that way. You can make sure you don't feel that way. Some of the times, but not all the times. Okay. And now you're not going to give in to that. Not because you're afraid of Ghanim. Not because you're going to totally disassociate from yourself. Not because you're going to bribe yourself into compliance. But because you're going to go deeper and be more honest with yourself. What? I am not willing to compromise certain things because they're really important to me. And that's actually, I mean, like, that's, that's, you know, the basic prerequisite of being an adult human being, right? And that, you know, once you, and so as a Jew, it's fundamentally true that every Jew deep down has that sense about Hashem. And so that, that's the basic idea of the trait of the Bainani. Now, if remember before, what do we say is that a Bainani is a person whose godly soul is not in any way subordinate to the... Yes. And so even though the animal soul has not been transformed in any way, but the animal soul has no power over how they live their life. The choices they make because the godly soul is intrinsically more powerful. So even if that's not true about my souls totally, but in how I approach a particular issue, I can say, okay, well, which is truer about me? My desire to sin or my not wanting to be separate from Hashem? Which is truer about me? Which is deeper about me? Which is, which is, which is, which is the, which is, which is the more, more honest version of myself? And to be mature about that, and honest with yourself in the moment, and then to act accordingly. That's, that's the trait of the vanity. And that's something everybody, you know, barring people who are meant not, sometimes, you know, a person's a child, or they're not mentally 100% something's wrong, but barring those things, that's something a person can and should aspire to do, and they can do it at any moment, any time. It's not require any sort of, you know, practice and build up. Obviously, the more you do it, the more consistent, the easier it is. And you can change that becomes really the way you see yourself from the outset. And that will, you know, obviously change things. Obviously, if a person has deeper experiences of closeness with the Shem, that's going to make it a lot easier, right? How could um, an adult help a child develop that? Depends on the age of the child. Like 7, 8, 9, 10, that age? Um, I mean, there's a few different things. One thing is getting the child used to meeting expectations, regardless of how they feel. Just get the feel of the fact that, like, there's expectations and they meet and they can meet them, and like that, it is possible for like, like, there's a lot of things you have to experience. You have to like, as a child, you should experience the idea that even though I wasn't in the mood, I was still able to do it, or even though I was afraid, I still did it. Right, just not the not how that happened is almost beside the point. Just that it is possible. Like, um, you don't want to clean up your room. Not wanting to clean your room does not prevent you from actually cleaning up your room. Right, it is possible to actually clean up your room despite the fact that you don't want to. Okay. The why you're going to do that is like not something you can really get to at a seven year old. Right, but like. 
know, so there, that's the other thing is to model the is to is to is to is to make sure that they, they have a model of relationships that are really important to them. I'd say those if I had to pick, you know, a seven year old, those are two really important things. But a seven year old has a sense of kind of, of a connection that's really, really, really important. That's being modeled to them, so that's like, you know, that that, that they feel like there's a that, that bond with parents, with, with, with teachers and things like that. So that holds them like responsible, like, oh I wanna do it because they Right, that's, like so that, that that's, and that that helps model the, the thing. So, for instance, like if if a child were to, if a child gets a sense that they are their whole value comes from meeting expectations, then that 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 destroys any sense of like a relationship I don't want to jeopardize. A relationship you don't want to jeopardize as a relationship that doesn't depend that where you you don't have to earn your worth in it. Um, you know, people say like things like unconditional love or whatever. Like I'm not just, a, you know, it's like it's like the, if the child, the, the, like like for instance, regardless 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 of how much the child has misbehaved, right? The child is still, you know, gets a hug and kiss good night. The child still like you read them. Like there's certain. It's very clear to the child like you have a relationship regardless of their behavior. That's modeled to the child. And also, the child has experiences of like meeting expectations. That helps build some of the frameworks in place. And those are just two things. Um, another thing is the person being, you know, if you're talking about a little bit older, being honest with themselves. You know, learning, you know, you know, learning to be able to be honest with, you know, what happened, what you feel, like, um, because you can't. Do this if you're not like if, if if you're not honest with the fact that you don't. I if like but I would say no. I really do like cleaning for Pesach. When I don't, it's not gonna work, right? <laughs> like I don't like cleaning for Pesach. Yeah. So like yeah, it's a certain point for like a child to realize like 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 you know, they come home from school and like like someone they're they're very upset and like you know to be able to differentiate. There's the facts and there's how you feel and like all those things are like helpful parts of this. Child to be able to, to to be able to you know help a child say like not everybody hates me you know this child did this and I felt this way about it and then I reacted in this way just the ability to be able to be aware of that that's what happened I think those are those are building like some of the building blocks that help go into this um. Now, in order to be a Bainini, though, there has to be the notion of Hashem, right? They're just talking about the dynamic of a Bainini, just as, which is a very human dynamic. But the thing that makes it chassidus is that we're talking about that there's the neshama, because a neshama has an intrinsic connection to Hashem and has that connection with Hashem. Which means if you want to raise children to be a Bainini, you have to raise them with a clear sense of, of their neshama and Hashem. Um, so talking, for instance, about like how meaningful it is to Hashem that we do Torah and mitzvahs and how much it hurts Hashem that we don't want to really sin. Um, and um, how Hashem loves every Jew no matter what. And, you know, you know those kinds of, like, having, you know, because if a person is misinformed about something, maturity doesn't help, right? There is a, there is a notion of, you know, I can be the most mature person in the world and still poison my children if I'm convinced that something which is poisonous is actually healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a separate issue. That's not addressed 
on this level. Right? So if a, if a person doesn't know that keeping Shabbos is important, obviously they can't, being a Bain, like, it's, it's not going to work, right? If a person doesn't, doesn't know that they have an Ashama, it's going to be very hard to be honest with themselves about the, those kinds of things. So all these things can come into that. But at the end of the day, the key to being the Bainini is that being honest with what's, I'm, I am not willing to tolerate this separation because I really do care about my relationship with Hashem. And that is deeper and truer about me than all of the experiences I'm having from my animal soul. And that's the key to like being a mature human being in general, which is to be, this I'm not willing to compromise because that would violate something deeper inside of me, even though right now I actually feel very differently. And using that to guide how we make our choices and live our lives. That makes sense? Yeah. So that's the, the it's not such a, like, it, it's almost kind of like, you know, anticlimactic. It's not like there's some magic to being a Bainini. It's just that. The, 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 the issue is that you have to, you have to do it. <laughs> and and you know, the only one who has the, that ability is yourself. Then there's things that can make that easier, right? The more you appreciate what your neshama is, the more you appreciate your connection to Hashem, the more you realize how transient animal soul is and its desires, right? You know, the more we understand the importance of why we're like all those things help that, right? It's easier to be mature about something the more you have a, the more you have a, a deeper appreciation about things. But that just makes it easier. It doesn't necessarily make it possible. But what's not a bainini is just simply disregarding how you feel and just doing. That's not a bainini. And even dealing with feelings, but in a way which doesn't put the connection to Hashem as the fundamental point, is also not the trait of the bainini. Getting myself to learn a lot of Torah because I know that when I learn a lot of Torah, people are going to give me a lot of recognition and I'm going to be, you know, feel very good about myself. Like, that's not being a bainini, even though it could get me to learn Torah as opposed to doing other stuff. Now, I'm not saying those things are forbidden, it's just that's not the trait of the bainini. The trait of the bainini would say, if I'm not learning Torah, then I'm like, I'm just cutting myself off from my connection with Hashem, and do I really want to be doing this? Is that really, is that really something I'm okay with? Be honest with myself about that. And if I am, I realize I'm not. So then, then okay. Then. Could, could it become dry and robotic, though, at a certain point? Or is this something that... Dry, yes. Robotic, no. I think those are two different things. I want to differentiate between dry and robotic. There's something that a person's doing that's very dry in the sense that they have a sense like, this is just the way it is. It just has to get, uh, this, it's just the truth. But there isn't the joy and there isn't the passion, there isn't the enthusiasm, which for a little while is not a problem. But if that extends for too much period of time, it, it can start to grade on a person. And that's a problem that actually starts to deal with in chapter 26, the need for joy, to maintain joy, and cultivate joy, etc. like that. Robotic is something else, which is, I would say, robotic means it works on kind of like a like habit, like an algorithm, like just like, and that, this can't, this cannot be habitual, really. Because the fact that you're confronting that I, I should act one way, but I feel another way by going deeper into yourself, you can't really make that robotic. That requires a level of conscientiousness and, and self-honesty and, and, and being present with yourself, that, that being robotic just doesn't work with. But it could feel dry, that's true. 
And that, that ultimately develops a lot of chapters later in Tanya, too, it feeling cold and dry and needing to bring joy and enthusiasm into this in order to maintain it and to keep it going. That makes sense, the difference? We'll hold it here. I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow we have questions and answers. Next week we're going to go back over this and read it a little bit slower, talk about the different levels and details and different things. But that, right? So the Bainini is actually not being more externally focused. He's being more... In fact, if you think about it, who is more in touch, who's in touch with the deeper part of himself? The Tzaddik or the Bainini? And therefore the Tzemach Tzaddik the third Chabad Rebbe writes, so it says, the trade of the Baini is the trade of all people and all persons, people should aspire to it. He says, all people means even a tzaddik. That as great as it is that a tzaddik is always in the mood to serve Hashem and never wants to sin, there's something superficial about the whole relationship. And he should try to find a way of, even within his realm, of engaging in that same dynamic, of going to a deeper place. Why is that superficial? That's coming from his... The fact that he because the because the tzaddik is the tzaddik's always in the mood for the right thing. Because inside he's always his. Because that's true, but it means he doesn't have to dig deeper into himself. Because if he digs deeper, it's just it's just more wanting and more. Well, the, the, how tzaddik is a separate thing, right? But think about think about when are you more deeply connected? When you have to do the trade of the bainani. And you know, what are you more deeply connected to something? When you have to overcome how you feel because something's really important to you? Or when you're just doing what you're in the mood for? When are you more deeply connected? To the thing? You, I mean, this is not the answer you want, but usually when you like something and you're I, doing it, I, that's what you feel. So, let me put it to you. What makes a more interesting? What, what what makes what makes what makes a more interesting story? There was a person who always got along with their friend because they clicked. That's an interesting story. No, there was a person who felt betrayed by their friend and didn't give up on the friendship because the friendship was important to them. Is that an interesting story? Why? What makes that interesting? Because they overcame difficulties. Okay, why is that interesting? Why does that touch us more? Why does that draw us more? Why do we feel transfixed by that? Because you see, it's more important. It's because there's more them in that. There's like something, there's the, the person themselves is actually in a certain sense more, comes out more. There's more human being in, I didn't give up my friendship even though I felt like my friend betrayed me, then I just always got along with this person. So where's there more Jew in the tzaddik or in the bainmi? In a certain way of thinking about it, now, on the other hand, you can make the other. You could, you could make another argument the other way, right? I don't mean to say that one is intrinsically better than the other, but there is a way in which to understand. Think about it. Like think about experiences in life where you really just things just. You don't have to be honest with yourself about who you are. It just goes smoothly. Versus when you have to be honest with yourself you start to realize there's, there's something missing if you never have any of those kinds of experiences. If you never have any of those experiences of having to say, wait a minute, what, who am I really? What's really important? What, what am I not willing to forego? If you don't have those experiences, there's a kind of a shallowness to your whole life. And even if you're very godly, it's still shallow. You can be shallow and godly. Atzadah can be shallow and immature. You know? 
I like drinking coffee. I don't like drinking. I don't. I don't like drinking arak. That's not a very deep thing. A tzaddik enjoys godliness and doesn't enjoy physical pleasures of the world. Okay, this, that means it's very deep. It means very mature. It means it's a. It's, it means it's a then what do they strive for? Like, what's, what's their version of? Okay, so for that, you have to explain how there's layers upon layers of godliness. And, like, you know, some, one layer of godliness can be infinitely lower than another layer. And so it's even a tzaddik has to overcome something, certain things. The, the how of the tzaddik is beside the point. But it just shows so that the bainani is, in a certain sense, a deeper connection. And there's more inward, in a weird kind of way, than the tzaddik is. Even though on the surface, surface it would seem the opposite. Because the bainani is all about making sure he does the right thing. Whereas the tzaddik... Is totally in love with Hashem. So, play with that in your mind. Thank you. Um, the And remember, yes is only meaningful once you understand what the yes is overcoming and how it's overcoming.